Good morning, church. Have I mentioned to you guys how much I love being here on Sundays? I love being here with you guys, my Grace Bible Church family. Missed you guys last week. My wife and I, we were celebrating our oldest wedding. And so he got married. He's off. It's a very exciting season. Thank you, five guys, six. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> we're super happy. The year. The year was 1973. This year was a year that changed society as we know it forever. In 1973, our mindset completely changed. See, because in 1973, Burger King came out with a slogan that said this, Have it your way. Before 1973, McDonald's ruled the fast food industry. And if you would go to McDonald's prior to this state, you would only have four choices. A hamburger, a cheeseburger, a quarter pounder with cheese, and the famous Big Mac. But then 1973 came along, and Burger King changed everything. And if you went to McDonald's, again, before this state, and you wanted a hamburger but did not want any ketchup or those little tiny onions on it, too bad, so sad. You will get that hamburger and you have to scrape them off yourself. If you wanted a quarter pounder but didn't want any cheese, you would get a quarter pounder with cheese and you would have to take off the cheese yourself. If you don't want the sauce on the Big Mac, you were asked to order something else, period. But 1973, Burger King said, no, 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 no. You know what? They also said this. You rule. You rule. So after that, if you went to McDonald's or you went to Burger King, you didn't want any pickles, you say, hold the pickles, you would hold the pickles. Whatever you wanted, you got, and we believed that lie. So in 1973, our society changed forever. We started thinking to ourselves, you know what? Burger King is right. We rule. We deserve to be served anything we want because we want it our way. So since then... We've gone downhill. Obviously, this mindset that we're living in today did not happen in 1973. It happened in Genesis 3 at the fall where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they believed, as we still do today, that we rule. And unfortunately, look around. Our society has become more and more self-promoting, more selfish. We want to have it our way. And if we're honest, church, most of us live our lives really, truly believing and thinking that we are here to consume and not to contribute. And this way of thinking, this lifestyle has really crept into the church. We are here to be served and not to serve. We need to have it our way because Burger King said so. Because we do rule. So we think. Today we continue our series that we have called Equip. So you have your Bibles with you. Please open them up to Ephesians. We're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Same verses that we looked at last week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let me just give you a little bit of context. The beginning of this chapter, Paul is writing this letter to a church in Ephesus. And he really 
goes into the importance of unity. How important it is to be united as a church. And as he goes on in this chapter, he starts to tell us that even though we are diversified, that we have different gifts, we still should be unified. And here's what he says in verse 11, chapter 4 of Ephesians. And he, referring to Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Paul says that the gift to the church are gifted people. And there's a purpose why Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has given us gifts. Here's a purpose, verse 12. To what? To equip. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We, the church, are not called to be consumers. We are called to be contributors. We are called to serve, to minister. We've been given gifts to build up, to equip the church. I love what, what commentary, one commentary says this. He says, the purpose of the gifted people is to prepare God's people for works of service. Gifted people are to minister the word to others so that they in turn get involved in ministering to others. This is called discipleship. He says, the goal of all this is the building up or edifying of the body of Christ. Paul continues, and he says in this chapter, chapter 4, Ephesians, he says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he says this, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is, and here's that word again, equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The purpose of the church is to minister the saints, to equip, to build it up in love. We live in a, in a society that promotes self-promotion, selfish ambitions. We live in a society that's all about us. We are so self-centered as a church church, we need to promote self-denial. We need to promote sacrificial serving. See, a faithful Christ follower serves others, period. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you and I need to serve others. Let me ask you guys a question. What would others say you are always doing? What would others say you are always doing? If I were to ask your spouse what you were always doing, what, what would they say? Would they say, well, he's always working. She's always complaining. She is always on her phone. He's always so moody. What would others say you are always doing? Would they say that you are always encouraging others? That you're always sharing your faith? that you're always helping others, would they say that you are always serving others? Unfortunately, again, just being honest, I believe the answer to that question would be a more self-centered, self-promoting, selfish answer. 
I did some research. And do you guys know what the goal of most teenagers nowadays is? What they want to do when they grow up? They want to be famous. 54% of teenagers today want to be the GOAT. You guys know what the GOAT is? The greatest of all time. And the problem with that church is that if you or I or anybody wants to follow Jesus, they can't be the GOAT because Jesus needs sheep. He is a shepherd. As a matter of fact, look at what Jesus says if we want to follow him. Matthew 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what Jesus says about being the greatest, the goat? Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you shall be your what? Servant. If you or I call ourselves Christ's followers, we are called to sacrificially serve. We are called to deny ourselves and put on a servant heart. Here's today's sermon point. Here's what we're going to flesh out for the remaining of our time today. Serving is not just something I do. A servant is who I am. Will you say that out loud with me, please? A ser serving is... A servant is who I am. When you serve others, ultimately, you are serving Christ, the King of Kings, the Most High. So again, I'm going to ask you, what would others say that you are always doing? Turn back to Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 36, to see what a young lady was always doing, what she was known for. Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says this, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. I feel sorry for her. <laughs> she was probably made fun of bad. This is what it says. She was always doing good and helping the poor. What was she always doing? She was always doing good and helping the poor. Thousands of years later and thousands of years to come because God's word was going to be forever. She is going to be known for having a servant heart. What are you going to be known for? Our posture as Christ's followers is to serve or should be to serve others. I'm going to keep it very simple today, guys. And my prayer, as, as we're listening to God, my prayer is that first of all, we get to realize what it means to serve, but also that we step up and serve. So what I'm going to do is share with you three images from Scripture, which I hope will help you remember today's message. Three images from the Bible. And here they are. I want you to remember this. A lunch, a ride, and a towel. A lunch. The insignificant is significant when it comes to serving. A ride. We, will, we will must always provide what has been provided. And a towel. We must always be self-sacrificing and not self-seeking. See, all of us can always offer a lunch. All of us should always be able to provide a ride. And all of us must, must, must always carry a towel.
a lunch, a ride, a towel. Let's begin. A lunch. The insignificant is significant. Turn with me to the gospel according to John. We're going to look at John chapter 6. Let me give us a little context. John chapter 6. There's thousands upon thousands of people who have gathered to listen to Jesus preach, to hear what he has to say. And so Jesus turns to one of the apostles, Philip, and he says, hey, Philip, check on your iPhone. Where is the nearest Domino's? These people are hungry. They've been here all day. We have to feed them. And then Philip says this, John 6, verse 7. He says, Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. What he's telling Jesus is there's no way we can feed. Have you, have you looked around? There are thousands. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Wait, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But watch. But what are the, they for so many? Andrew says, you know what, Jesus? I saw a little boy. He, he had a lunch. He was there at the crowd. But there was only five breads and two fish. That's not significant, is it? Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. Did you catch that? Jesus took a simple, insignificant lunch, and he fed thousands. From something insignificant, God made so significant. What may seem insignificant to you is not insignificant to God. Every little thing that you and I do to further God's kingdom is significant. Holding up, holding up a welcome sign as people walk into the door. Significant. Preparing coffee. Boy, is it significant. Smiling. Opening the door. Ushering. All those things are so, so significant. All ministries are significant. Significant. I hear this often from people that are new here at Grace Bible Church. They always say this, man, we felt so welcome. There's something different about this church. It seems real. It's, it feels authentic. We don't feel judged. Do you know why that is? Because someone is holding up a sign. Someone got here early to prepare the coffee. Someone found a seat for you to sit in. Everything, everything is significant when it comes to serving Christ. What may seem insignificant to you is very significant to him. Fifteen years ago, maybe even 16, I, I just started coming to Grace Bible Church. We're at a hillside campus and I volunteered to lead our young kids in what was called a prayer walk. And what would we do? We'd walk around the, the community there. We'd knock on door. And whoever answered, we'd say, hey, we're from Grace Bible Church. We've got our kids here with us, our children's ministry. Could we pray for you? And we did that. We went back to Hillside and the leaders starting to talk about how their day went. I remember clearly one leader said this. 
It was the last house. They knocked on the door. A man opened up the door. And he reeked like alcohol. He said, that guy had a really bad night. And so the little girl stopped him and said, excuse me, sir. We're from Grace Bible Church. Can we pray for you? And the man just started bawling. And the little girl said a simple, powerful prayer. And as the kids walked away, the leader asked the man, are you okay? And the man said, I tried to commit suicide last night. And I asked God to send me a sign. And here you are this morning, knocking on the door. And a beautiful girl with a simple but powerful prayer was so significant to me. The insignificant church is extremely significant to him. As faithful Christ followers, we should serve others by first bringing a lunch. The insignificant, the significant. Second, we need to always be ready to offer a ride. We need to be able to provide what has been provided to us. Go to the gospel according to Luke Chapter 19, verse 29, this is how it reads. It says this, when he, when Jesus drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie the colt and then bring it to me, Jesus says. And then verse 31, and if anyone asks you, why are you untying the cult? You're going to say this. The Lord has need of it. Go, you'll see a cult. No one has ever ridden it. And if the owner says or questions you, asks you in any manner, why are you taking my cult? You're going to say the Lord needs it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the cult, its owner said to them, why are you taking my colt? And so they replied, the Lord has need of it. Verse 35, and they brought in to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Did you catch that? Yeah, the, the owner said, wait a second, that, that's my colt. Why are you untying it? But he didn't resist. He could have easily said, wait a second, that's a brand new colt. It's got zero miles. I've got some other colts in the back that I don't need. Take that one. No. He said, look, God has provided me with everything I have. And I'm going to give it right back because the Lord needs it. Church, we need to have the same posture as the owner did. He's given us so much He's provided you and me with so much that we are called not to be consumers of what he's given us. We are called to contribute what he's given us because he needs it for his glory. He wants it to further his kingdom. Remember, by serving others, I am serving Christ. Will you say that out loud with me? I am serving Christ. I'm going to pause here for just a minute. This next part, this next part, if you are new with us here at Grace Bible Church, 
or you're coming from a church where you've been hurt or you're burned out because you've served Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, this section is not for you. Cover your ears. Go la, 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 la. Now, my Grace Bible Church family, for those of you that have been coming to Grace for a while now and are not serving or haven't served in a while, I want to ask you, why? I'm going to ask you why, but I'm going to ask you in a loving way not to judge you and not to guilt you. I'm just asking you because God has called us to serve. Why aren't you serving? Maybe you're thinking, well, pastor, man, you should see my week. I don't have any time to serve. If that's your response, let me share my response to you. The reason you don't have time for what matters is because you spend your time on what doesn't matter. That's the truth. We prioritize what's important to us and think about it for just a minute. Most of the things that are important to us don't really matter. We make time to, to spend on our phone scrolling through Facebook. We make time to be able to play video games. Why? Because it's important to us. But does it matter? Parents, I don't care how busy you are. You make time to make sure that all your kids are in every single event. Soccer, basketball, band, football, you name it. Why? Because you want your kids to be the GOAT. You, honestly, most of us work, 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 work because we won't want more money because to us, money matters. But let me say this. At the end of your life, at the end of my life, we're not going to hear from Jesus Christ, well done, good and faithful social media scroller. We're not going to hear, well done, good and faithful gamer. We're not going to hear, well done, parent, that your kid became the goat. We're not going to hear, well done, you, you rich, successful business person. I pray that every one of us desires to hear this, these words. Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful what? Servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will say you over much. Now come and enjoy eternity with me. That's what we all should strive to hear. Now you might be thinking, yeah, but again, I do work and I'm tired, pastor, and Sunday I just want to come and just, just relax. Okay, I get it. 99% of the people that are serving at Grace Bible Church also work and are also tired, but they're here sacrificially serving. If you are serving in a ministry right now at Grace Bible Church, any ministry, would you please stand up? Kids ministry, coffee ministry, if you're leading in a community group, middle school ministry, any ministry, audio, worship, slides, you name it, ushering, greeting, parking crew, thank you, thank you. You guys may be seated. Thank you so much that you have the posture of a serving heart, that you are doing what we're all called to do. 
which is to deny ourselves and serve. Church, we need to remember serving is not some, just something I do. A servant is who I am. That's who we're called to be. We are servants of the most high. And our posture should be just like that owner of the cult. If the Lord needs it, I will provide it. Three images. First, we need to bring a lunch always. Remember that the insignificance is significant. We need to be ready to offer a ride. We need to provide what has been provided to us. And lastly, we must always, always, always carry a towel. We need to be self-sacrificing and not self-seeking. Go to John chapter 13, verse 4. To me, this is the most powerful image in the New Testament. John 13, verse 4. Context. It's Thursday night, right before Passover, and Jesus and his apostles are up in an upper room. And prior to this, we've been hearing that the apostles have been bickering with themselves that I am the greatest. No, I am the greatest. I am the goat. No, I am the goat. As a matter of fact, we read that two brothers, two of the apostles, send their mommy to ask Jesus if they could sit in the right and in the left of Jesus in his kingdom. We want to be the greatest. So here's, here's what I picture. They're up on the table. And John stands up and says, look, I know we've been arguing, but let's get real, guys. I'm the greatest. Jesus loves me the most, Remember? And then Peter, being Peter, stands up and says, what are you talking about? Need I remind you that he is going to give me the keys to the kingdom? And then John says, yeah, but need I remind you that he also called you Satan? (laughs) And then Bartholomew, from the back, he stands up and says, well, I'm the greatest, guys. And everybody looks back at Bartholomew and says, what? You're an apostle? No one's ever going to remember that you and Bartholomew are an apostle. Are you kidding me? And then Jesus picture Jesus just looking around saying, man, you selfish hearts. You have self-promoting hearts. You're so self-centered. And he, as he's looking around, he sees them. And then he looks down and he sees filthy feet. John 13, verse 4. He rose from supper He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. At this point, the apostles are freaking out. Probably thinking to themselves, wait a second, he's not going to do what we think he's going to do. He's not going to wash our feet, is he? In ancient times, washing of someone's feet was the lowest of the lowest. Verse 5. Then Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. At this point, there was no doubt that Jesus was going to wash their feet. So Peter gets up and says, no way. Verse 8, you shall never wash my feet. And then Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus begins to wash every single foot around the table. 
can guarantee you, church, there was not a dry eye in that room. And from all this bickering about who was the greatest, all of a sudden that room was silent. And all you could hear would be the dripping of the water as Jesus washed their filthy feet. Then he gets up. He sits back at the table and says this, verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. So I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, if I have humbled myself and washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. One another's feet. Why? For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus was telling the apostles, Jesus is telling you, Jesus is telling me, do as I have done. Serve, humble yourself, be self-sacrificing, not self-seeking. Serve, go and wash people's feet. Because ultimately we all know because he says it himself, Jesus came to serve Mark 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. If anyone, anyone deserves to be served, it's him. If anyone should have had it his way, it should be him. Church, you and I don't rule. He rules. Can you picture that? The king of kings. Lord of Lords, the creator of this universe, washed feet, came to serve. Serving is not just something I do. A servant is who I am. At the beginning, I asked you to consider two things as I was about to speak. To really understand what it means for a follower of Christ to serve. The second thing was that you would sign up and serve. Let me ask you this. If you're not a member here at Grace Bible Church yet, yet, I encourage you to sign up. If you know, think you know that this is your church, that this is your church family, and you haven't signed up, why not? February, February 17th, we have our next membership workshop. If you feel through the Holy Spirit that this is your church, stand up, sign up, get on mission with us. Again, if you've been coming to Grace for a while now and are not serving or haven't served in a bit, I'm going to ask you, why not? If you're new with us, this is not for you. If you're coming from a church where you've been hurt and you're burned out, this is not for you. Again, this is for the rest of us. Would you consider signing up and serving? For both of these things, to, to sign up for the membership workshop or to sign up to serve in one of our Sunday ministries, after the service, just go outside those doors, go to the left, there's a welcome table, and they can sign you up. I promise 
I guarantee you, you are not going to get burnt out. We're not going to ask you to serve every Sunday. I promise we protect our servant, servants here. Because I know it's a sacrifice. You won't. You know what else? You won't regret it. Imagine, I can only imagine. If most of us, the church, Grace Bible Church, would serve, imagine what difference we'd really make in our community. How people would really see that we are sacrificially serving others and ultimately we are serving Christ. How? By bringing a lunch. By always being able to provide a ride and always, always humbly carry a towel. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We give you thanks that you are a God that is not just up in heaven looking down. You are a God that is involved in every single aspect of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping down into this sinful world, leaving all the glory behind to serve. You humbly served on this earth for 33 years. For what? To die. So that you could provide a way to have a relationship with God. Father, we love you. We praise you. And I pray that we are a church that truly is living out what you've called us to live out. To be servants. To be contributors and not consumers. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you, church.